Come on, we serve a good God that is due our praise. No matter what's going on in life, this should be our practice. Walk through these doors ready, just ready to worship. Share our heart with our Heavenly Father through worship. He is a good God. Again and again, we keep on running back towards His grace. Amen? Amen. Well, it's so good to see everybody in church again. As I told the team earlier, man, I am I'm realizing how beautiful everybody's eyes are. Right? I was thinking about the other day, I was like, you know, I don't even have to worry about if there's mocos. If my teeth ain't looking right, I ain't have to worry about that. Nobody's going to know in Jesus' name, right? just love life. Well, man, you guys are looking good. Let's go ahead and be seated in the house here tonight. Thank you guys for leading us in worship. Fantastic. Phenomenal. We are in a conversation right now, and I'm going to jump straight in because uh, there's a lot in this today, and uh, we've been, uh, you know, in, in a place, I've been in a place where, man, God has just has me to have some real conversations about maybe some things that are going on in culture, in society, um, hot topic items, so on and so forth. We talked about a few of those last week, and um, man, it was a great conversation. You can stick those, let's stick those bags right over here, right up on here, right up on here, Jeremy. Yeah. Everybody's like, he's playing cornhole today. You're going to see my skills. I'm going to show you. Actually, I have not thrown one today, so uh, we're going to see how this goes, and I'm going to set this up properly. Here we go. Here we go. I'm going to throw it over. I want to make it a little more challenging. Oh, Lord. That was... Okay, there we go. All right. Next service, so we'll get it, we'll get it there. Uh, but uh, we, were, we had some hot topic conversation last week, and if you were here and you heard that and you said, man, this is getting real very quickly, um, it'd be great for you to go back and watch Talk It Out Tuesday which if you don't know about Talk It Out Tuesday, every Tuesday after the Sunday message, we divulge or we dive into um, a further examination of the content and the concepts that were released. Really, so that I can share everything that was on my heart, I'm going to give you something today um, that God has placed in my heart and then we can talk it out a little bit more with other leaders. And it's a great way to just uh, expound upon what God is speaking here on Sunday. And uh, so this past week was great. You know, if you were here last week, I'm jumping into these conversations of we live in a world here today that if we are not careful, we will misunderstand the world in which we live in. And the world in which we live in here today, secular humanism is the philosophy that has taken root in every aspect of our society, whether it's political, whether it's in academics, uh, whether it's in culture, pop culture, um, and maybe even in it's infiltrating into churches. And with that, if we are unaware, as the first, first thing I said last week, a clear Christian worldview or a biblical worldview, however you want to say it, will give us a clear view of the world. If we lack a biblical worldview, how we see the world through the Bible, we will not understand what's going on in our world today, right? And so as I'm talking about these ideas and these concepts and things, last week, I'll just be transparent, last week I broad-stroked slavery. My, my thinking is, all of you guys have been engaged in our church experience. You know, three months ago, I did a whole racism conversation on we stand behind our black brothers and sisters and their fight against systematic racism. We are a church for the unchurched and we want to live as Christ-filled individuals that stand up against any injustice that would operate towards somebody based on the color of their skin. I'm, I, I speak from that premise. You all know I stand with racism, right? But what I'm, or stand up uh, for injustice against a particular group of people. You know that. 
So I, I brought up concepts around there, maybe broad stroked it a little too wide and individuals took offense. So I've had a lot of conversations this past week. It's been a humbling experience for me. I've appreciated the honesty um, that individuals have brought to me. And uh, that's the beauty of the body of Christ. There is hot topics and big topics that we have to talk about in our society today, right? And so when I talked about this past, past week, the BLM organization, if you go look up the values of the BLM organization, they are not Christian values. The two co-founders of the BLM movement are trained Marxists. If you know anything about trained Marxists, trained Marxists uses historical grievances of race, religion, and gender in order to divide countries for political grabs. Marxists, Brian reminded me this past week, Pastor Brian, Marxists use the, uses the term, we get useful idiots to do our bidding for political or powerful power gains. So I know that about the BLM organization, right? I know that, and I'm trying to highlight, we can't, you can't follow that, right? But we can stand behind black men and women that are fighting against injustice that maybe happen systematically in organizations, right? And that's the beauty of the body of Christ to stand up and do that, right? So, um, so that's where my heart's coming from. So you see it. Go back and listen on Talk It Out Tuesday to bring immense clarity to it. But uh, that's where my heart is. We're going to have these hard topic, hard conversations. We're going to bring up the real issues because if the church isn't doing it, who is? Non-believers? That's a secular humanistic world that they will decide what truth is and what truth is not. But the Bible is very clear on that. We have absolutes through the Bible, through the truth of God's word. We have the absolutes right here. They believe it's subjective. It's dependent upon culture. It's dependent upon person. It's dependent upon circumstance. What kind of ground is that, right? It's like, well, it's, it's right for you, not for me. It's, it's wrong here. It's right there. You know, it's like, wait, what? That's not the world in which we want to live in. We are building our lives upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. He is the cornerstone, and we build our lives upon his principles. Man, it doesn't matter what storms are coming, what the future may hold. We got a firm foundation in Christ Jesus, right? That's what we are building our lives on. So that's where we are at and what we're, we're jumping into. Um, if you, uh, the, the, the brief overview, um, and I'll jump back into that. So if you want to take notes, you can write this across the top of your paper. What's your problem? You can write that across the top of your paper. What's your problem. What's your problem? What's my problem? What's your problem? Okay. We're going to jump into this today. So have you, how many of you guys have ever been in a place in your life where you did something and it affected a whole bunch of other people around you? Anybody been there before? You said something and then you just completely turned the whole room. Like it was, everybody was excited and you said something and everybody's like, we hate you. And it's not a good environment. Been there? Uh, you ever like done something, whatever it may be, and you just ruined the whole the whole party, right? You just did something and you ruined the whole party, right? You've been there. So there was a, a time, and I've talked about this before, but uh, when, when I first started at Southern Folgers Detention Equipment Company, it is the first job that I had with a degree uh, that I had. And I started and I was excited about this job. Spent the first week kind of training, walking in on the second week, optimistic of what the future may hold, excited about the future. Well, I walk in on the second week, it's Monday morning, and I take my lunch to the, the lunch area. What, what is it called? The, the workout. I want to say workout room. It is the break room. That is what it's called. Like the workout room because I spend so much time. Okay. But um, <laughs> the, the uh, what is it called? <laughs> break room. There you go. It's where you take a break. So the break room. I put my, my lunch in the fridge and I hear a leaky faucet at the sink. And in me, you know, I'm just, I want to help. 
I want to be of support, a linky faucet. You know, I don't want to waste water. We're we're, we want to conserve, right? Uh, so I'm like, let's turn this thing off. So I turn the knob of which it does not turn off. It's still leaking. I'm like, Psh. well, this thing is not smarter than me. I know if you turn the switch off, it's going to turn off. So I turn it one more time. It still doesn't turn off. And in my like, you know, I got to get this thing off now. This will not conquer me. I am better than, right? I say, okay, one more time. I'm turning this thing off. I spin that knob. Have you ever seen the meme like of a fire hydrant that the head popped off and it shoots up? My second week in my job, I spun that handle of which water comes shooting out like a shotgun. <laughs> I mean, water's going everywhere of which I'm like, ah! you know, <laughs> I immediately take off running. Nobody knows who I am yet. I'm still the new guy. I go running. I'm, this is the second floor of the building. I go running down the hall on, the knob is broke. It's flooding upstairs. I mean, I looked underneath there. There's no knob to turn it off, okay? This building was built like in the 70s or something like that. There's no knob. There's no shut off. I go running down the hall. I'm like, I need something. I need something. There's a flood upstairs. Everybody's like, what are you talking about? I go running down the first floor, like, entire thing of offices where all, like, the the bosses are. They're like all right there. I'm like, it's flooding upstairs. And I'm running out to the shop where we do like all our manufacturing stuff. I'm trying to grab a tool. I think some tool is going to help me out. I'm like trying to grab a wrench or whatever. And they're like, what's going on? I'm like, it's flooding upstairs. I'm like freaking out. By the time I come back in with something that looks like it may help, there's water flowing down into all the executive's offices. I am freaking out. Literally, I run back upstairs, and by the grace of God, I don't know, I grab that knob off of the ground in the middle of two inches of water, and I'm like, in Jesus' name, I shove it down where it came from, and I spun it. I tried to do it right when it happened, but it did not work. I shut it, shoved it down, and I turned it, and somehow it stopped the water. Like the water stopped, and I'm just sitting there soaked with all of these people that I don't know around me, like, what did you do? I'm like... I just turned the knob. I don't know. <laughs> I was trying to conserve water, of which I completely did not. Okay. <laughs> you know, I was the guy for the like first year that's like, hey, where do I take this project? Oh, who do I talk to about the project? Oh, talk to Brent. Like, who's Brent? Oh, the guy that flooded the building. Oh, Brent! Brent! <laughs> that guy. Okay, okay. <laughs> you ever been in that time where you did something, it affected everybody? Literally, they renovated the whole building. I mean, I had people thanking me years later because like, we were trying to get them to renovate this thing for so long, you finally forced them to do it. Thanks. Appreciate it. They literally spent like hundreds of thousands of dollars to renovate the building. It may have been insurance money. I don't know. Uh, and please, that was not the plan. Don't sue me uh, for whatever. Are we out of, it is beyond seven years. I don't think I can get sued. Now, maybe I can. I don't know. Okay. But done something in your life that has affected everybody. I think we've all been there before where we've done something that affected everybody. Now, imagine you're the person on the front end of this journey of humanity, and you're the person that does something that now affects everybody. It affects everybody. Imagine being Eve in the garden. Imagine being Adam in the garden, and you are there in perfection. God puts you here. He breathed life, as we talked about last week. Once we know who our creator is, man, that will determine what we do. We know God is our creator. We know what we're here for. We're called to be a blessing, to bless the world, man. We are grafted in to the children of God through uh, Jesus Christ, man, and we are called to be a blessing to the world. That's who God has called us to be. Yeah, 
But imagine on this that you are Adam and Eve in a beautiful place in which God has blessed you with. And all he says is, hey, don't eat from this one tree. You can eat from everything else. Come on, have you ever had some really good fruit in your life that you're like, oh, Lord, I don't know where this came from, but this is good. Have you ever been to like Hawaii and you've had a pineapple from Hawaii on Oahu where the dole plantation is? It is unbelievable. Like you, you want, you want, and you put the little leaky on it, the little leaky sauce. Anybody know what, or leaky, leaky? I think it's called leaky, uh, something like that. Anybody from Hawaii? Nobody? Okay, cool. You don't understand what I'm saying. Oh, cool. But you put that stuff on there. You're like, I want this every day of my life. Man, they had the ability to eat anything and have anything. It was just this one thing that God's like, just don't do this. Don't do this. You know, number one, if you want to write this down, you can write it like this. Sin came from one and by one has infected all of us. Sin came from one and is infected uh, and by one has infected all of us. Romans 5, 12 says this, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread ev uh, to everyone for everyone sinned. This one man did one thing wrong. These one individuals did one thing wrong and man, it spread to everybody. How did we get here though? Let's look at this story. We're gonna go back to Genesis. Genesis chapter three, it says this, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day, he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Did God really say that? Come on, let's, let's go through this thinking. Okay, cool. The enemy, the liar, the father of all lies, the devil offers up, did God really say you must not eat from the fruit? Um, uh, from that tree. Did he say that, really? Number two, he goes into verse number two. It says, of course, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. So where's she at? The question is, did God really say that? You ever been there before? He's like, did my mom really say that? I'm not sure if my boss really, really said that, right? But then Eve is already on the game. She's like, no, 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 no. This is what he said. And she verbatim says it right back to him. He said, we cannot do this, right? We know what is right. We know what is wrong. We know what is said. Clear. Clear as day. So verse number four, he says, you won't die. This is the devil. You won't die. The serpent replied to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both evil, uh, good and evil. What is, the, what is the, the going on right here? Did he really say this? Yes, he really said it. Man, you won't do what God said will happen. Are you? It's not, it really won't hurt that bad. It's not all that big of a deal, right? What actually he meant was, he doesn't want you to have the same knowledge as him. That's what it is. How many times have we been caught right here in the middle of a lie that is clearly a truth? We fall victim to it. The Bible says that Eve is right there. It says the woman was convinced. She was like, oh, okay. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the, woman, uh, the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some of the uh, to her husband and was with her, uh, that was with her, and ate it, and uh, he ate it too. 
At that moment, their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Come on. You have a, the fundamental thing. God says, here you are. You are in my kingdom. I have created it for you. I have breathed life in your lungs. All I'm asking is that you don't do this one thing. I'm going to show up every single day. We're going to be in relationship. We're going to be in intimacy with each other. It's going to be amazing. You're going to have fruit that will blow your mind far better than anything that Hawaii can present. Man, far better than any. Man, you're going to live in perfection. But you can't do one thing. This one thing will lead you to death. And the enemy steps in and begins to question the process. The first question that the enemy brings inside of here is, what really is the truth? What is really the truth? Do you really know what the truth is? That's the first thing that he tries to test the individual with. Do you really know what the truth is? Because if you don't know the truth, then you'll never be able to stand upon it. Eve was never, if she did not know what God said, she would never be able to sit there and say, okay, clearly this is what God said. And here's the, here, here we're at as a culture today. And this is where my importance is. And this is where my like passion is coming from. As believers, this cannot just be something that we show up and do that sounds good. Oh, I went to church yesterday and everybody's like, oh, you went to church so good. But church for you was just the time to sing some songs a time to get a little, bit of, a little bit of hair standing up on your neck. And it felt really good. And you can't wait for next week to do it all over again. Church, church just can't be that. It's got to be the intention of what God is destined for us. I gave you this beautiful place, but here's this one thing that you cannot do. These things are sin you can't operate in. You got to live within this bounds. But it starts in a place on do you know the truth, though? Because if you don't know the truth, you can't stand firm upon that truth, right? Somebody obviously stepped into the equation to undermine the voice of the authority to get even to a mindset to believe, oh, his motives were wrong. His motives were bad. And because his motives were bad, then I must be justified to take part in it because I want to elevate myself to that level. She had to be convinced. Come on, I know sometimes we're like, oh my God, I would never eat that apple. Yeah, you do. You do every single day. You eating that apple every single day. It's a lie of the enemy that is convincing you to step outside of the righteousness of God. And every single day, some of us, right? Some, maybe it's like once a week, maybe it's once a month. Well, we all have sinned, okay? So I'm getting that, right? I'm not judging you. are like, every single day, you sinner. I see the apple in your mouth right now. You are coveting this. Oh, yeah. No, it's fine. Right? Sometimes we can get in that self-righteous mindset. I'm like, I would never do that. Yeah, we do. We get in that mindset to say, well, what really is the truth? I, I don't, it's not necessarily that bad. Nobody's really watching. I'm, I'm okay to do this. And we do these things to find ourselves in a place that begins to undermine the righteousness of God inside of our lives that ultimately will lead us to the destruction. The second part of what uh, that Satan did inside of this story is he brought some doubt. He brought doubt to the consequences. Well, you won't surely die. You're not going to die. What is actually the truth is he wanted to keep you from his knowledge. 
right? How many times have you ever found yourself in a place where you're like, I just don't understand why sex outside of marriage is, is bad. I don't understand that. Like you got to test ride, you know, the car before you ever purchase it, right? Right? Isn't this the secular humanistic mentality, right? It seems right, right? Like why would you get into a relationship with somebody that you're not sexually compatible with, right? This is the lie of this generation, right? Why? If it feels good, there's no repercussions to it, right? We have a Planned Parenthood. You can abort a baby if you need to, right? We got Planned Parenthood. We got, we got gynecologists. They'll give you the medicine necessary if you catch a disease. That's okay. We have all the background uh, help behind the dysfunction. As opposed to on the front end saying, who has God called me to be? And who has he called me to be in a relationship with? And then the excess of the beauty of that friendship then leads towards the eidos that happens only inside of marriage. And inside of that order, imagine how much healthier our families would be and relationships would be if we just walked in the righteousness of God to live a pure life, to say, I'm not stepping outside of God's order on relationship. I want to stay in relationship. I want to stay honorable in this relationship. I want to do it God's way. And when he says the right time to marry, then we're going to marry. And then we're going to get into the Edo's place where we're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to crawl up the palm trees. We're going to grab things as the Song of Solomon says. Then that's going to be the fun's going to right but we're not opening the present before the intention of God's design because that's the lie of the enemy in order to get us out of alignment with God's truth and his order so that we can get into an overage inside of our lives where we can have a relationship of five different guys five different girls for some of us we go like crazy la vida loca come on that la vida loca life will lead you down some crazy paths to do some really crazy things but it all is to destroy our lives. It's to exploit the intimacy that we desire. We fall victim to its collateral. How much healthier would our families be today? Man, imagine if there was 100% of mothers and fathers inside of their homes raising their children, as opposed to, what is it today, 60%? 60% that's happening. 40% do not have both parents in the home today, Right? What would that look like for a kid that can, my mother and my father are illustrating for me what a relationship looks like. They're so good with God and so good with each other that, man, it's a great model for me on how I should live. This is where we're at. The enemy is a liar to get us to undermine. Man, we can start to covet everybody else's stuff. Man, I'm not content with where God has me inside of my journey. I need to start lying, cheating, and stealing to get ahead inside of my career. I'm going to give false truths as a reality in order to portray myself in a better light that I can take this person down. It's dog-eat-dog inside of this world. And then what happens? We find ourselves in a world where we don't even know what the truth is anymore because we've told so many lies. We have no friends anymore because we trampled upon them in order to get ahead. Oh, But this is the lie of the enemy that steps in. He's like, no, no, no. That's how you get ahead in your life. You got to step on other people. That's the way it works. If you want to, you know, you want to get to the right one where you can have an incredible relationship, you got to try out so many before. And it's the lie of the enemy to say, just take a bite. But what do we find? The destruction on the other side of it. We live in the turmoil on the other side of it. What happens when God steps in? They begin, they tie these leaves together, fig leaves, and go to hide. Uh, And God's like, who told you that you were naked? 
Isn't it funny how they thought they could handle the truth, but the moment they accepted it, they could not handle the truth, right? Can you handle the truth, right? Can you handle the truth? Anyway, yeah, I can. Well, can you really handle the truth? Because what we know about Adam and Eve, they ran. They couldn't handle the truth. They were in shame over what happened. Come on, I found myself multiple times inside of life. There was a moment in time, I'll be vulnerable with you, a moment in time where I inhaled the contents of something I should not inhale. Uh, it was not of a tobacco leaf. It was of a different leaf that kind of looks like uh, a palm tree, okay? We'll talk about it that way. <laughs> Kids don't know where I'm talking about. This is how you just get allegorical, right? You just kind of get it out there. Now, I remember this time where I said, okay, well, everybody else is doing it. I've hung around with them long enough. These are my boys. We're hanging out. They're doing it. Why can't I do it? Just a little bit is okay. And we know what I'd say about it just a little bit. You know how that works, right? Got the whole analogy on a little bit of poop and a brownie is still a poop brownie, right? It's just a little bit though, right? But everybody likes brownies though, but you don't like that poop brownie, but just a little bit, right? So I'm like, just a little bit, never hurt nobody. I mean, Bill Clinton said he just, he didn't inhale, right? He was like, okay, cool. Okay, I won't use that one next service. Okay, all good in the hood, right? Everybody's like, wait, whoa, whoa. <laughs> uh, but I did. I did. And uh, it did not go well for me. I have way too many praying parents to, to, to actually partake in something like that. There's way too many praying parents. I'll just tell you, parents inside of here that want to keep your kids on the track, you better start scuffing up them knees now. Every parent that I meet that's got a great kid, I say, man, you got some callous knees. I see them right here in Jesus' name. Way too much prayer over my life because immediately right after the inhaling of that con those that whatever you would call it, the contents or whatever, I don't even know how you say that. I begin to throw up, like uncontrolled. Like I, and I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, this is red, it's all red. And I'm thinking, I am dying. I knew it, my mom was right. The wages of sin is death, I'm dying, you know. <laughs> I'm freaking out. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, after further examination with the light, it just so happened that I, I ate some red chili that night and it was just red chili. Okay. But this is the beauty of God's hand over my life is that he would put that level of fear in me that I would believe I'm dying to get my head awake to the realities of the wages of sin really is death. It may not be a physical death, but it will lead to a spiritual death. And here our problem today. What's your problem? What's my problem? The problem is sin. That each one of us inside of here want to get outside of alignment with the order that God has placed for our lives. He, we are in his kingdom. He's got order around our kingdom. He has a certain level of expectation of how we should live. If we don't know what that truth is, we will not be able to stand upon what that truth is. Matthew 5 through 7 is a clear indication on what Jesus says. If you do these things, then you are building your house on a rock, a solid foundation. If you're like, hey, I'm just trying to understand what you're talking about when you're talking about living righteously, go read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Jesus sets you up for success. You go to Exodus 20, read the Ten Commandments. Find yourself. These are the fundamentals of faith. If you can stand upon these truths, you're going to be building your house on a firm foundation. We live in a world that the existence of sin entered through one man and it is spread to all of us. It was all from a place on we want to elevate ourselves to God's level. We want that level of understanding. We want to know what truth is. We want to know what evil is. We want to understand that. And with that, we want to take control of our lives. So moving on, verse number two, if you want to write it down, know the lie to stay true to the truth. You got to know what the lie is so that you can stay true to the truth. Because as you live, the same way the enemy went after Eve is the same way he's going to come after us across the board if there's something we are struggling with, our sin, our struggle. 
right? Your sin is not my sin. Your struggle is not my struggle. But we will all be tempted by the devil in order to undermine our tr the truth of God's word and the righteousness of God in our life. So Romans talks about this. You want to jump into the sin conversation, read through the book of Romans, go back and read it this next week. I'm going to read in Romans 1 to give us a clear understanding of this dynamic inside of here. Romans 1 is where Paul is opening up the conversation to say, where is the root of the issue with humanity? Where is our root? In Romans 1, I'm going to read a couple scriptures inside of here. It's going to be a little long, but it's going to give us some clarity. Romans 1 says this, but God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Who people who suppress the truth, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, okay? So he puts his anger out towards people who suppress the truth. You know what the truth is, but you suppress it by living la vida loca, okay? That's how I put it in modern day terms. I don't know, la vida loca, I use it all the time. And uh, somebody said I'm not using it enough anymore, so I'm using it again, okay? La vida loca. Verse number 19 says, they know the truth about God because he has made it obvious. So Pastor Brian read this a couple weeks ago. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. So just by existing and living inside of a world, you can step outside of your house and say, God, wow, there is a creator. Clearly, there is a creator. Humanity has, can clearly see the invisible qualities, the divine nature and power of God simply in creation, right? It is far bigger than any human hand can put together, right? So this is Paul clearly indicating, God speaking through him saying, you can see me through creation. Verse number 21, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks, and they begin to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worship idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. The whole premise here is, the root of the human issue is, we will suppress truth that will go back to the fundamentals of what Adam and Eve wanted. They wanted to know the good and evil, and they wanted to rule their own lives. That is the truth. God has created it. He's breathed life into our lungs. There's expectation for us to live righteously. But the root of the sin is you and I will struggle to suppress what the truth is and say we're going to live whatever we want to live. At the fundamentals of it, we're going to suppress. And with that, we will not praise God. Like walking in these doors today, the enemy's going to be in here like, hey, God hasn't done this for you, as I said earlier, right? Oh, who, who said that God is not good? What have you allowed in your life to put false expectations on God that he is not who he said he is and he will not do what his word said he will do? If somebody stepped in and did that, then you're going to hold back in your praise and your worship of him. But if you live in a life where you're saying, man, I serve a good God. I'm not suppressing the truth. I'm living in the truth. You will walk through these doors with a precondition and a, you know, a predisposition to say, I'm worshiping God. I'm ready to worship him. I'm ready to glorify him today. Why? Because I serve a good God that's done good things for me. Right? We're pre preconditioned for that. We're ready for it. But Romans talks about the human condition Claims that, man, we are wise. And because of that, we will think up ways to worship everything else other than God. Come on. If I said, hey, what has consumed your time this past week? 
Some of you would say, man, God has consumed it. I've been up in my word. Amen. I ain't been up in Facebook. I've been up in the book, the classic cliche, right? <laughs> right? Isn't it crazy that man has created images that they worship? We live in the information age. How many times we're just scrolling through the Instagram, the gram of Insta, looking at everybody else's life, desiring the life in which they have, wishing, coveting what they got. Ah, what is it? We're sitting here creating all these other idols that we would much rather spend our time and affection focused on than actually the creator of the universe that desires intimacy and race relationship with us. Let me move down inside of Romans because I'll, I'll give you a real clear picture inside of here. Verse number 24, so God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. Once they suppressed the truth, once they did not worship the creator, God's like, cool, you want to do it yourself? You want to be your own God? All good. You can do it. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired as a result. They did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. He's bringing it back up again. He's like, they, they suppressed these things. They thought up new ways. They did all these crazy things, degrading and vile things with each other's body. They did all of this. And they worshiped and served things God created instead of the creator himself. And he says, man, who is worthy? His perspective is God is worthy of our praise. That is who he is. That is the position of Paul's heart. That is his indication to us as believers. God is worthy of our praise. Look at how good he is. Who has stepped in to say he is not who you said he is? Goes on, that is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things in, uh, with other men. And as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Isn't this crazy? God says, you want to do it yourself? If man is the highest form of truth, secular humanism, we are our own gods. The natural process, we look at the natural process. It's got to be vet, vetted through the natural process of not supernatural, but of reality, the things in which we can see. There's no faith in this reality. is just what we can see. This is all it will ever be. As my boy uh, said this past week, he said, uh, he, he, he's listened to a pastor that he grew up with, uh, but he said this, this pastor used to say this all the time and I thought it was so good and you're gonna probably hear me say it a thousand times over the next year. If you are a secular humanist and a non-believer, this is the best it ever gets for you. But if you are a Christian, this is the worst it'll ever get for you. And if you live with that perspective, how incredible is that? If you are a non-believer, this is the best you're gonna get. It's right here. So why not live to the, Every feeling, every desire, we are our own truth. Let's live la vida loca. We don't care what's out of bounds with the truth of God's word. We're just going to live and fulfill every desire because we want to meet every need that we have, that we think we need. But if we're a believer, wow, isn't this incredible? This is the worst it gets. It only gets better from here. Isn't that incredible? What does it say in here? 
Because humans thinking is we worship humans. We worship the human mind. We are wise in of ourselves. We know better than God. We're going to do it our way, not his way. We're going to worship ourselves. We're going to worship what the, the, the creator has created as opposed to the creator himself. Because we just want to do what we want to do. What is the very first thing that Paul says inside of here? In the indulgence, when we don't want intimacy with God, we go into indulgence with intimacy with each other. Men go into relationship towards men. Women go into relationship towards women. The indulgence of intimacy, the greatest indulgence of intimacy right here on this earth between each other. It's not just immorality where we're stepping out of bounds with the relationship and the order of what God has destined between man and woman. It's we're stepping out of bounds with the biology in which God has destined for man and woman. It's the over excess of it. And God's saying, I've abandoned them to do that. And when they did that in full weight of how they want to do it, they desired the indulgence of intimacy with each other as opposed to intimacy with me. Isn't that crazy? This is sin. What is our problem? It's sin. It's our root issue that we want to be our own gods. We want to know the truth. We want control over our lives. We don't want to look at the goodness of God and give praise towards our creator. We want to look at the goodness of man and give praise towards man. Man, you've ever had somebody step in and try to talk, talk bad about somebody you loved? Like you're, you're like everything, whoever it may be. Maybe an artist, maybe an actress, maybe a person, a mentor. Has anybody ever tried to come in and try to like throw some shade on them? And you're like, oh, you don't know. They're the greatest of all time, right? Like when somebody started to talk about Michael Jordan, like put, put LeBron James even in the statement with Michael Jordan, I'm like, you have lost your mind, okay? You ever had that? Somebody tries to step in. You are massively defensive towards that. You were like going in the paint and saying, no, no, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't even understand what you are talking about. That should be the same way we approach our creator. Somebody starts to try, a secular humus comes in and starts talking about, oh, how do you believe that? Starts jumping in, right? Well, what we know, the last thing I'll leave you with, what we know is this. The, that the, the righteous live by faith and by faith we shall live. We know that. The righteous live by faith, and by faith we shall live. As believers, we got to have faith in God to say he is the creator of the universe. He has set order inside of his kingdom. That is the truth. It doesn't matter what anybody comes with. We stand firm upon that. They say evolution. They say whatever. Well, it's the origin of species, the stuff we talked about last week. We're like, thank you, uh, but... My truth and what I know is there's not enough evidence there that is truth, complete truth. You got some ideas. Thank you for your philosophy. Thank you for coming up with an idea. But even people inside of your science community are now doubting the even that philosophy. So you're probably going to come up with something new in the next 20 years. And then we're going to start believing that. And then in 50 years, we're going to start believing something different. And we go down that road. But we can live over here as believers like. We know where we came from. <laughs> we know what the truth is. We're good. Like, we live in faith that this is how God has created. And this is the design that he has. Right? I love, I love in uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 10 and verse number 35, it says, Don't, uh, Do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. 
Come on, hold on to it. Believe it. Live it. Stay intimate with God. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. For in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. And my righteous ones will live by faith. But I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. But we who are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction, we are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. Amen. Right? We're the faithful ones. We know the righteous live by faith. And you know what? We're going to be found faithful. We're not going to be like the people that turn away on the journey. Oh, we start listening to human reasoning. Oh, that makes sense. Oh, yeah, I think, I think we can just live it out. I mean, God's grace is so sufficient that we can just live la vida loca, and then we'll get later down the road. But we already know what Paul says. Paul says we keep on sinning. If we know what sin is, should we keep on sinning, right? Should we keep on throwing it up in God's face that every time we're like, okay, God, we're going to do it ourselves, but we love you. We know you're so gracious. Okay, we're just going to keep on sinning, and then we just keep on going back towards grace. You know what? We're like a dog that vomits, and we like, okay, we run away, and then we go back and eat our vomit, and it's all good, right? Because we like eating vomit. It's great, right? That's all good. We justify it, don't we? As opposed to just saying, God, you are the creator. We are sinful. We're going to stay faithful. We know the truth of your word is good. It is here to empower us. It is here to instruct us. We know you have given us the Holy Spirit to guide our lives in all truth. As Galatians says, verse number five, chapter 5, verse 16, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires to, uh, that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. We already know through 1 Corinthians that God will not put us in a situation that we cannot get out. Verse number, chapter 10, verse number 12 says, if you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. Don't be proud. Don't be arrogant. Look at me. I'm so righteous. Don't, don't do that. Be careful. The temptation in your lives are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than what you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. This is us. The righteous live by faith and by faith we live. That is how we operate. We know sin entered the world through one man and has affected us all. Every single one of us. Right? We got an issue. Our problem is we want to serve humanity rather than serve God. But if for us, the secular humanists that have infiltrated every part of our society is going to flood us with human reasoning, human ideas. They're going to come at us, whether it's media. They're going to come at us, whether it's from our academics and uh, education. They're going to come at us through whatever, doubt in the, the, the validity of God, all of it. But the faithful got to stand true and say, man, you know what? We know what the truth is. We know what the truth is. We'll never fall for a lie. We're going to stay true to the truth. That's what we're going to do. What am I saying? Every day, it's waking up every single day. And this is where I get to use my illustration, right? I don't know. You may be good at, I don't know how this is going to go, but you may be good at cornhole, right? I mean, during Corona, the virus and the pandemic, it's all shut down. Things have got so bad that we are televising cornhole tournaments <laughs> on ESPN, you told me a year ago, I'm going to be watching a cornhole tournament on ESPN. I'd have slapped you upside your head and said you're crazy. Right? But things have got so bad. So as believers, 
we say, okay, God is the creator. He has set his kingdom. We are citizens of his kingdom. We're not going to pull back from that. We're going to live in that. We're going to stand firm in our belief system. We're going to say, this is right. That is wrong. No, you cannot do that. Yes, you can do that. This is how the righteous live. We walk by faith, not by sight. We trust God in the process, right? So every day, yes, you're going to fail. I'm going to fail. But we serve a good God that has never failed. And so when somebody tries to come at us, it's like, oh, you don't know how to play cornhole. You can be like, you don't know me, bro. Okay? I'm working hard, right? So every day we're trying to be righteous. You may start off like that. You're like, oh, man, I'm like, okay, I got some work to do. Okay. That first relationship was a little strong. Okay. The second one, you're like, oh, I almost got it. They were kind of a good one. This better go. This is going to work so perfect, right? <laughs> By year number two with Jesus, year number three, you're like, okay, I'm going to get it on the board. Okay, okay, I'm going to get it on the board. I'm living righteous. I'm, a, I'm hitting the mark. Now, this better work right here in Jesus' name. <laughs> God, I pray you just give me the ability in Jesus' name. You get down the road in faith. You're fleshing this thing out. You're walking in intimacy with God. You're not allowing the lie of the enemy to come in and say, you know, did he really say that? Man, he just doesn't want you to experience life to the full. He didn't want you to experience, man, all the joys, all the desire. He didn't want you to experience all of that. Man, he didn't want you. And you just keep on being like, no, nah, I'm just keep on. I'm living righteous, man. I'm just, I'm just getting, come on, Jesus. You're so good. You're so faithful. Oh, my gosh. That's the time I fall off. Don't be prideful, as it said inside of here. <laughs> First Corinthians, right? Pay attention. All right, one more time. Oh, oh, you put it in the hole. There you go. Hey, you're helping me out. Okay, I want to get this one right. Hey, man, get those keys going. This is awesome. Jesus, you're so good. I got nervous and it shot it to the side. Right? You're like, okay, Jesus is good. Jesus is good. <laughs> you can get into the journey, into the rhythm of righteousness. You can walk by faith and keep on trusting God. Knowing, man, I see the world and the challenges. I see the struggle. I see the pain. But I'm not going to be an active participant in that chaos. I'm going to be a person that every day I stand upon the truth because I know what the truth is. And I'm going to stay true to the truth. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to live righteously. You just keep on plugging forward and moving forward. You know, if it's not us, who will do it? We can either stand back and say, you know what? We're going to be a product of sin. We're just going to allow ourselves to be victims of sin. We're just going to complain about what we can't do rather than trusting in God and all that he can do. It's very clear, man. Jesus has come, and we're going to talk about this next week, that Jesus is the answer. Sin is the problem. Jesus is the answer. He has come from perfection down to a broken world to deal with the disease of sin. He has set us free. He's taken upon his back. He's put us in the right position to receive God's grace that you and I can identify with him. And cast our worries and our trust inside of him. And God, we need you. We're broken. Then we can step into the spiritual relationship. As Peter would say, repent of your sins. Turn towards God and be baptized. Then you will receive the Holy Spirit. Then you will receive the Holy Spirit. What's our problem? Our problem is sin. You stand up to your feet here today. We're just going to spend some time here just to analyze, just to start to reflect. Yeah, I'm talking about a concept that's fundamental to faith, but maybe, maybe the enemy has been able to slip in and be, begin to undermine the truth of God's word and the righteousness of God inside of your life. And you're living in indulgence of something that you know 
you need to deal with, that you need to trust God in. Here today, you're justifying your actions that are unrighteous. You're living in the chaos of the sin. But man, you are enjoying the temporary gratification. Maybe you're there. Maybe today you're completely wrecked by what you've justified. And this is the time just to be humble and say, God, I need to come back to you. I need to come back to you. I need to be in your presence. I need to know you. I need to be intimate with you, God. And this is you just reflecting, God, where am I at? So where are you at? The question is, where are you at? Where are you at on your journey of righteousness? Maybe you're 20 years down the road and you're not even thinking anymore about the decisions you're making. You don't even think about it. But you know there's times of conviction where God's like, hey, you got to deal with that. Maybe you're five years down the road and you're like, ah, I did everything else, but there's this one thing I just can't let go of. It's too good. It's wrapped my life up too much. I just like hanging on to it. Maybe it's a sin of the heart. Nobody gets to see it, but you harbor it. And you know it's just eating you away inside. Maybe it is something just completely out there. You know, there's somebody today that I know in, in my life that just recently, he, he deals with alcoholism. Just recently, he overindulged, wrecked his car late at night, almost died, spent some time in the hospital. The last picture I saw is another picture where he's at another place with another drink in the side of his hand. And he, he knows what the truth is. He knows the truth, but he's so wrapped up in a lie. The wages of sin is death. It's death. Maybe physical. Oftentimes it's spiritual. Wages of sin is death. So Mario, you can go ahead and start singing. Let's just take some time to think about this. And I'll come back and I'll pray. And we'll just get right with God. If that's us, we just get right with God. Just spend a moment to think about it. God, search my heart. Search me. Where have I elevated elevated myself to your level? Where have I begun to worship creation and lost sight of you as my creator? Where is this? We'll come back and we'll begin to pray together. It was so good to have you tuned in right here today for this message. I pray that you are encouraged and you are strengthened inside of your faith. Man, you are confident here today in, in accomplishing what God has laid out for you to do as a believer, whatever sphere of influence that you are in. I pray that you are ready to get it done. Now, our kids experience is coming up next. Make sure you jump online, get your kids around. They'll be encouraged to get ready for their week. Outside of that, keep on making a difference in the world in which God has destined you to lead in. Have a great week.